Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with me, Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Broker, the podcast where we talk about employee engagement, uh, getting technology in place in an agency, making it a better place to work, a better place to partnership with carriers, with your uh, clients, with your prospects. We appreciate you joining us this morning and a big shout out to Indio. If you don't know him, you should. www.useindio.com. Indio is a great platform that allows you to digitize your form, send them out to a client, and really just makes you look um, cool. It, creates a good customer experience and really starts to set the differentiation before you even have to do do much to do that. You don't have to say, hey, we're different. You get to show we're different. Today, I'm excited. I've got, I've got a, a very, very seasoned individual, somebody with a lot of experience. I've got Trevor Baldwin from Baldwin Risk Partners with me today, and we're going to be discussing kind of the capabilities that are needed in insurance agencies and the challenges that we face. Trevor, welcome. Thanks for being on the Digital Broker this morning. Thanks, Ryan. I'm, I'm uh, glad to be here. Walk me through your story, man. I mean, if folks don't know you, if they don't know your company, who are you guys? What are you guys doing? What's your, what, what kind of, how did you come to be and, and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So Baldwin Risk Partners is an insurance brokerage and distribution firm, and we're uh, based down in Tampa, Florida. We got our start in 2011 we were formed out of a business that was founded by my father, Larry Baldwin, as well as two uh, of our other founding partners, Elizabeth Kristen and Laura Sherman. And they had formed a firm, BKS Partners. And out of that, we formed Baldwin Risk Partners as a holding company to make further investments into growing and expanding our capabilities across the insurance distribution landscape. And so since 2011, we've been focused on creating a platform where the industry's best talent can come to have the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive in their careers, where we can execute for all of our stakeholders, who we think of as our clients, our colleagues, our insurance company partners, the communities that we live and work in, and then now our shareholders. And, and so we've been super fortunate. We've had a great run. And this year we had a, uh, a, a momentous milestone, which is we were the first insurance bro commercial insurance brokerage firm to IPO in over 15 years. So we completed a initial public offering on the NASDAQ exchange, floating a minority stake in our business. And I say that because we're still a majority colleague-owned business and then intend to stay a uh, colleague-owned business far into the future as we continue to invest in growing and thriving as an organization. And I, and I love that term. Help, help me define colleague as you guys and your firm sees that because, you know, a, a lot of folks call employees, a lot of, you know, uh, producers, servicers, all this different stuff. But when we have talked, you've used that word a lot. And, and I think it kind of talks to the culture that you're trying to shape there, which, you know, as, as we progress forward, it's such a critical component of employee retention and employee engagement. I mean, how did you come to that? I mean, and what is the, what does colleague mean in your guys' space? Yeah, so, you know, maybe it's easier to start with talking about how we kind of fundamentally look at the insurance brokerage business, which is we believe that 
the insurance brokerage business today is a people business and tomorrow will remain a people business. It doesn't mean that technology won't have meaningful impacts on how we drive efficiencies, streamline our processes, and expand the avenues and ways in which we can interact with our clients. But at the end of the day, what, what we're doing is providing advice and consultation to our clients around risk and insurance matters. And, and so it's, it's at its heart, it's a relationship business based on trust. And so as a result of that, we believe one of the very few long-term competitive advantages that we can cultivate is our ability to attract and retain the very best talent in the industry. And as a result of that, we've been very focused on cultivating a culture that binds the organization together through a system of shared beliefs and a common language. And language we believe is incredibly important and how things kind of appear to you or how things um, show up to you. And, and so, you know, colleague is one example of that. And to us, a colleague, you know, is a peer, is a professional, is someone that you work with, not for, or someone that works with you, not for you. And so it, it's a, a word that should denote the level of collegiality, collaboration, and professionalism that as an overall organization we're looking to exhibit, and that should define the type of relationship that each of our colleagues have when they're interacting with each other. And similar to that, we view ourselves as having clients, not customers. We have insurance company partners, not carriers. We view ourselves as a firm, not an agency. And so while those are all relatively small and nuanced differences, we think they go quite a long ways in reinforcing the overall culture that we're looking to cultivate. No, I mean, I love it. I think that, you know, I think one of the things I see in a lot of agencies is uh, that class differentiation between production and service. Um, and it sounds like you guys have tried to do different things to, to, to mitigate that, um, those silos. Is that something that you guys as a firm, as, as an organization combat against? I mean, when you look at, you know, if you have a producer that's just killing it, is that person still kind of held accountable to behavior? When you're your size, you have it, you have a lot more flexibility to to kind of put a hammer down on a, a producer that's rocking a million dollar book or something like that. How do you how do you handle that? Because that's such a big deal in the agencies. A lot of the agencies that I work with is they're trying to get better at that, and it's just a it's a challenge that they've consistently kind of faced. Where you have a service team and you have a production team, you know, where does that? How, how do you balance that out? Yeah, so we, we define our uh, behavioral etiquettes and norms in a document that we call our azimuth, which is a play on navigation um, because we, we think of that document as defining how we achieve our true north or that kind of aspirational place of success. And in that document, you can find it on our website, or at least some of it, uh, we define you know, our core values. Um, but we go much further than that. We talk about something called our business basics, which is how we think about being successful day in, day out. And then stakeholder promises to all of those stakeholder groups I outlined earlier. And so colleague promises, client promises, community promises. And, and in there, uh, it, it gives a, a good sense of how we're expecting folks to interact with each other. And that's something we train and reinforce on regularly. And you know, while we're never gonna get it right 100% of the time, Ryan, 
um, we should be getting it right more than we're not. And if we can, if, if we're seeing behavior or attitudes that are out of sync with that overall uh, aspirational vision, then th- that's probably not going to be someone that's a good fit for us long term. I think that's awesome. I mean, I think that having those tightly defined, um, you know, guidelines, I would say that everybody has to comply to is such a big deal, you know, especially as we move forward and we're looking at um, just the difference of what an, what a firm's going to have to offer and be. And that's one of the reasons that I was excited for you to come on because I think, you know, obviously you've been in the insurance space. Have you been in the insurance space for your whole career? So I actually got to start my career in private equity before coming over to the insurance business. And then you've been, you've been in the, the, in this arena for how many years? About 10 years now. Okay. So, I mean, you know, we're talking about some significant difference from 2010 to 2020 and in the capabilities. I mean, in 2010, in my opinion, a lot of sales was done on the golf course. It was producer centric. It was very driven by producer kind of knowing um, folks and getting out there. And today it seems like, you know, customers and clients, prospects are, are wanting a totally different gamut of offerings. And are you seeing that as well? I mean, is that something that you guys have experienced as you've moved from 2010 to 2020? And then as you look out in the 2030 and the next five to 10 years? Absolutely. It's, you know, more than ever now, Ryan, this is a, a consulting business. And the way we get paid is through the insurance transaction oftentimes but what we need to bring as far as value and insights is far, far greater in scope than just serving as a conduit to the insurance marketplace and executing on a transaction to buy insurance. So whether it's data and analytics capabilities to inform our clients around what's driving their losses, how they can, can curve loss costs over time, whether it's loss control, risk engineering, consulting, or claims advocacy, compliance services, wellness, the list can go on. Technology implementations around BIN admin or RMS systems. And so we're investing deeply in all of those capabilities so that we can take a truly team-based approach to delivering value to our clients across the spectrum of, of risks that they face in a holistic manner. I think that's one of the things that agencies struggle with across the board is what does how does your team determine what value is to because obviously you have different segments of business and what's value to you know high net worth is very different than what's value to a risk management account how, how does your is there a process of determining the offerings that have been given to segments you know are you guys you know are first i guess are you guys niched out do you do you departmentalize across industry verticals is that something that you that you guys you guys kind of have we absolutely do we we've been investing and continuing to build out our industry verticals and so a lot of our our offerings are catered around the specific needs of a particular industry group and then is that based on what so if i if if i stand up a an airline or an aircraft vertical and we specialize on you know ensuring air airline risk 
are those producers and those servicers that have been in that space for a while, are they coming to the, the, the higher ups and saying, hey, we believe that this is a, a new tool that's out there, or this is something that we know is valuable? Are you guys doing feedback loops like with MPS to determine value? How do you, how, if I'm a small agency and I'm trying to figure out how the heck I know what value is to a segment of business, have you guys figured that out? Have you guys made strides in that? It, so, you know, first, Ryan, I'd say we're we're constantly focused on figuring it out, but I wouldn't say we have it fully figured out. What we do do is we listen to our risk advisors, which is our nomenclature for a producer, to our client service executives and teams. And, and then we have a innovation process in our organization where we put together cross-functional teams and incentivize them to develop the innovations that we can either deliver to our clients or that we can use internally to drive efficiency and effectiveness into our business processes. And so between all of those uh, functions, we're oftentimes coming up with some great ideas that we're then being able to deploy into our client relationships successfully. And yeah, I mean, and, and that's, you know, one of the things that used to drive, I mean, Scott, you know, Scott Franklin, Scott Franklin's a linear Upshaw CEO, you guys just kind of brought them over. Um, and, it, you know, one of the things that he used to drive him crazy is we would, we would have all these products in place. And the client, we, we would not be able to implement one or two effectively. Another agency would come in and implement the thing that we had, and we would lose the account to that. And it would just, it, it would, it would be such a frustrating thing for them. Is there a, have you guys figured out a way to ensure that your, your colleagues know what, it, what is to be offered, like a stewardship report? I mean, are you guys pretty effective at doing stewardship reports? Because that's something that we, seems like it's always such a challenge. What did, we, what did we promise? How did we deliver on that? And how do we get better next time and make sure that the, the, client, the customer client is satisfied? I mean, can, do you have a process for that? Yeah, so, you know, Ryan, we do. And first, I'd say we're incredibly excited to welcome Scott and the whole Lanier Upshaw team into our family of firms. As you know, Lanier Upshaw is a world-class organization, and we're super excited for some of the unique capabilities and know-how that they're going to bring to our team and our bench. But specific to, to that question, you know, what, what we find is oftentimes clients, you know, they, they're eating up what you're telling them at point of sale. And you could have, you know, five different specific uh, strategic initiatives that you want to uh, implement inside that client relationship. But then that client leaves the meeting and, and they go back to the business of running their organization. And so, you know, implementing a lot of these services is a two-way street. We can't just unilaterally go out and provide loss control consulting. The client needs to be committed to having the right people there so that you can understand what are their risk management practices. They have to be committed to taking that feedback and acting on it. And so the stewardship process is as much about informing the client about the commitments that we've made and, and how, how well we've done in, in keeping those commitments, but also in outlining what we need from the client in order to execute on those commitments. Because without the client's commitment, then a lot of those value-add services, you're not able, you're, you're not able to execute on those. 
Yeah, right. And then they, I mean, exactly. And that's, and that, and I love that. I, I think that's a great concept. And for the listeners, you know, agencies that are out there, I mean, that's a critical point. You know, the, the, whenever you're doing your year end review with your client about all the things that you felt were valuable, what were the things that they, that, you know, the promises that your client, your customer had made and that, that they didn't, that, that they fell through? On. I mean, because I think what you said was so dead on. They get in that meeting, they're super excited about this new risk management platform that they've been shown. Oh, yes, they're going to log into it every week. And then they go back to the, and they've got work to do. And they don't think about it until, uh, unless they have a really tight focus on, you know, total cost of risk and reduction of that over time. Um, and so few clients, when you look at the, the, the overall, probably 20% of the clients that you have are really, are really in it like that. And so I think that's, that, that's awesome to hear that you guys have the same challenges um, that, that smaller agencies do, because I think that's something that we struggle with and we constantly beat ourselves up about because like, you know, we can't, we can't figure this out. So, you know, in, in the case where a client comes in, they're excited about doing business and all the offerings, but then they don't act on it. I mean, ultimately they're, they want to be able to call you to get expertise. They want to be able to make sure their claims are handled and their coverages are in place. I mean, that's, that's really the, the, the core that you have for that segment of client. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And then picking one or two things that can really add meaningful value and focusing on implementing those, whether it's a specific loss control measure on a top loss driver or a loss analytics package so the client for the first time can understand what's actually driving their losses on a location or job-specific basis. And so kind of taking a one-by-one -one approach to adding value and then building buy-in and engagement through that. That's awesome. I mean, as you look forward, you know, are there, are there trends that you're seeing that clients are demanding more and more of things that you guys are gearing up to deliver things that you're excited about that we haven't had the capabilities or that have been cost prohibitive uh, beforehand? I mean, is there stuff that gets you jazzed as you look at what you're going to be able to do for some of the clients? You know, what, what I'd say is where we're seeing the most traction, Ryan, is in our data and analytics capabilities. Mm -hmm. We've been investing significantly in our ability to deliver insights to our clients through data and analytics, and it's been extremely well received. It's been probably one of the leading drivers of new business generation for us. And so I think data and analytics capabilities are going to be continuing to grow in importance and relevance particularly as the availability of data to make lost trends more meaningful for smaller clients is going to become even more important. Yeah, I, I agree. That's what we're seeing across the board as well. And so when you talk about data and analytics on a client facing perspective, are we talking about, I, I'm a buyer, I'm looking for a benchmark comparative for what my class of business, my size, my geographic location, what coverages should I have? I mean, is that one of the things, what else are, what else specifically are you guys seeing that the client that are, that's helping 
because really ultimately it's proving expertise, right? I mean, that's what, that's what you're doing when you're using data and analytics to help educate the consumer. You're saying, hey, we understand your business. We understand the risk. Here's how we want to illustrate that to you more effectively than a three ring binder that may have had the same information in it 20 years ago. I mean, in my head, that's kind of how that works. Is that, is that yeah, see? it's certainly the benchmarking around limits, pricing, retentions, but it, it's also much more than that. It's predictive analytics around uh, future loss costs and loss mm -hmm. trends. Mm -hmm. It's identifying, you know, uh, over or under reserve claims. And so, you know, being able to use AI in a manner that can say, hey, a, uh, a knee injury in this county in New York State costs on average, you know, $25,000, but this claim's reserved at uh, 50. So what's going on here? We need to dig in, you know, is this claim over-reserved or is there something else going on here? And it's being able to identify loss trends by location or by job type, and then being able to deploy specific risk engineering and loss control strategies to curb those loss costs because you're using data and analytics to be able to really understand what are the driving forces behind the loss activity because at the end of the day insurance is driven by loss costs and so the be very best way for us to impact the cost of risk over time is by curbing the loss costs and data and analytics empowers us with with the information to really focus on the areas where we can have the largest impact yeah and i think that you know right now uh, you know when you buy insurance you buy insurance to become financially whole in the case of a loss. And that's kind of been what our primary, you know, our primary focus has been on helping make sure that, you know, the, the risks are covered, that you get good service when that happens. But as I look into the future, I see loss mitigation and really reduction through sensor data, through predictive analytics, like you're saying, um, yeah, through education that's just kind of consistently built in. Uh, to me, that's where the agencies are, are, are going, that, that win are going to be really stellar at. I, I can't quite get my head around where an agency fits, uh, a small agency fits in the sensor data thing, but for an agent, for, for a firm your guy's size, I, I imagine that that's something that's at least on your purview as you're looking out and you, different clients are leveraging different things, you know, different kinds of sensor stuff. Do you see that? Absolutely. Whether it's wearables or fleet management programs and software, cameras, it's, there's a ton of technology tools they can really enhance and enable our ability to improve safety and loss cost outcomes. And we're certainly embracing that and working with our clients who are as well. Now, do you see the camera? I mean, one of the challenges that I have with that is it seems like most of those are carrier run programs, you know, they're insurer centric devices. Do you ever see a time when agencies may be able to deploy that kind of technology um, outside of outside of insurers and be able to then negotiate uh, different rates depending on the adoption ratio of that with the clients? Yeah, so with many of our larger clients, they're investing in client-specific systems that are not insurance company-driven. Okay. And, and so I think on the smaller business side, Ryan, that's probably the case today just because of some of the cost barriers and the kind of bench of, of professionals you need internally at an organization to operate a risk and safety program of that sophistication. You know, in a, in a smaller business, they don't have someone whose job is to – 
manage fleet safety or to be the risk manager. And so it gets harder to implement and then manage in an ongoing uh, basis those types of systems. But for our larger clients, they're absolutely deploying their own technology uh, that they're sourcing and then managing it themselves agnostic from the insurance company they're with. And then, and then there's some kind of uh, residual data that gets uh, put out that that is leveraged to be able to up safety. I, I take it. I mean, absolutely. In those cases, yeah. I saw that haptic feedback freaking belt, and I just thought that was the coolest, you know, from a workers' comp perspective. Uh, and I just I'm trying to figure out where an agency can play in that is, you know, not an absence of the carrier, but. If, if carriers are consistently delivering that kind of tool, so I, that makes me happy to, to know that the companies themselves are investing in that to, to help lower that total cost. That's a, that's a good thing. One of the, one of the things that, that I think the leaders struggle with is what they, where do they need to be focused? You know, so many, so many agency principals come up from production ranks and, and it's a challenge for them um, I think to allocate their time effectively, you know, you're, you, you run a really, really big business. What advice can you give to leaders of agencies that are out there today and how do they focus? How do they prepare the, for the day? How do they make sure that they're doing what they need to do to facilitate and, and put their teams in the best positions to win? Yeah. So, you know, I get back to this as a people business. So if you get the people right, everything else is going to fall into place. So hire people that are smarter and better than you are and surround yourself with them and empower them to make decisions and drive success in your organization. And that's a fairly simplistic view of it, but that's certainly a recipe that's worked extremely well for me. So I'm super fortunate to be surrounded by a terrifically talented group of leaders um, across our organization and they're empowered to make decisions and, and drive their businesses forward uh, and, and do so in a manner that's consistent with our overall goals, objectives, and culture. And I'd say, you know, don't, don't let the day-to-day -day drive your, act, your, your day-to-day -day activities. And so making sure that, that you're carving out time to be strategic, to think about the business so that you're working on it, not in it. Um, it's easy in today's day and age with you know, two, 300 emails coming in a day to basically just be reactive all day, every day. And you'll just wake up in one, two, three years and found that you've been running on a treadmill in place. Well, hey, I, I just appreciate your time this morning, Trevor, man. I, I'm excited about your guys' growth and what you guys are doing in the industry. It's fun watching firms win. You know, I'm glad that it sounds like you guys are bringing all kinds of capabilities to your clients. Um, so just thanks a bunch for this morning, and I hope we get a chance to talk again. Listeners, if you guys want to get a hold of Trevor, Trevor's probably not the guy. Is there a way that they can reach out to, to your firm? Who should they contact if they want to understand how they might be able to work with you guys? Absolutely. If you go on baldwinriskpartners.com, uh, there's contact info on there, and uh, we're, we're happy to, uh, to, to chat with anybody that you know, wants to learn about what we're doing. And Ryan, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I always enjoy listening and uh, look forward to, uh, to continuing to hear about from all the great innovative firms that, and, and leaders that are joining you on the podcast.
Well, I appreciate it, man. And next time I'm in Tampa, I'm going to look you guys up. I'm going to come and hang out. I was talking to a buddy of mine down there yesterday. And so I'm, I'm planning definitely a visit in the first quarter of 2020. I want to come check you all out. Sounds so. great. All right. Well, we look Thank forward to seeing you then. All right. Thanks so much, listeners. Thank you for listening. If you guys don't know Indio, check them out, www.useindio.com. They will make you guys look awesome. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio simplifies the insurance application process for brokers and their clients. When using Indio, the process is fast, easy, and ENO free, saving your agency time and money. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one -on -one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast.